Hello, this is Bill Lytell with some wisdom for your walk. Today, I want to speak briefly about a, oh my, important subject about standing for truth and not moving away from truth. The movement of life, the, the pressure of life is to move away from truth to untruth, to falsehood. That's the pressure. It's just like a... It's like the old Mississippi River flowing slowly, but it flows powerfully. If you tried to swim against the Mississippi River, you would have to continually swim or you would go backwards and be pushed away. And that's the way it is with the things of God. Let me read you about Pilate. Pilate's one of the better examples in the Bible of, of having a pragmatic philosophy of life and being moved away from the truth, actually Jesus himself. And you know the story in John chapter 19, Pilate therefore took Jesus, scourged him, and soldiers played a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and they put on a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, said unto him, Behold, I bring forth to you, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. I want you to notice that statement. Truth. I find no fault in him. He believed that to be true. He was a judge of the land and judged a lot of people. He'd seen a lot of people come and go. In the heart of Pilate, he believed the truth was that there was no fault in this man. And then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and purple robe, and Pilate said unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he had made himself the son of God. Well, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. And went again to the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, whence art thou? Jesus gave him no answer. And Pilate said unto him indignantly, if I may say, speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? And a this is an unbelievably powerful statement in the 11th verse of chapter 19 of John. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And so it said from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. Now, Pilate was the one in power. He had the authority to put people to death, to release people. To make him free, he, he released Barabbas, which was a known criminal, a known murderer, a known robber, and he released him to the people. He had the power to do that, no matter what, what they were. So, so Jesus, standing before Pilate and, and being uh, scourged by his men and everything, Pilate comes to the conclusion, this man is innocent. This is an innocent man I'm dealing with. This is truth. How did he get pushed away from truth? What pushed Pilate away from truth? He knew Jesus was innocent. Now, you've got to be some kind of individual to willingly and knowingly. Crucifixion was one of the most horrendous, horrible deaths you a man could go through. It was a long time to die. It was a horribly agonizing death. But to put this innocent man through this death, not knowing whether he was the Son of God or anything, but to put somebody through that, what moved him away from the, the truth that he knew that Jesus was innocent? This man's innocent. I find no fault in this man. There's no reason to crucify this man. There's no reason to put this man to death. Uh, I'll, I'll scourge him and release him. They said, no, 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 no. You're going to crucify him. You're going to kill him. 
the public opinion, the pressure to move left was on pilot by the people around him. In another place in the, in the New Testament, it says, in the parallel Gospels, it says, we, we have a king. He says, Jesus makes himself a king, and Caesar's our king. And if any other king puts himself up against Caesar, uh, that, that's like treason, you know. Basically, they were telling him, they were putting pressure on him. But he knew the truth. This man's innocent. He could have let Jesus go. He didn't do it. And, of course, consequently, Pilate, standing before the very Son of God, the very creator of the universe, died and went to hell. Later on, committed suicide, was transferred into an obscure post after this, history says, and he committed suicide. What happened to this man? He allowed himself to be pragmatic. What is pragmatism? Pragmatism is something has its value by whether it works or not. Principle-based life is there's a right and a wrong, a black and a white, a good and a bad, and we're going to obey the good and obey the right and obey the principle. And whether you like it or don't like it, whether the people scream, whether they riot, whether they burn the cities down, we're going to stick with the truth. That's principle-based life. Then you have the pragmatic-based life. That's the people who go around trying to please and make their Everybody around them feel good about them, make them happy. And even though they will stand for truth to some degree, if they receive enough popular opinion against what they believe, they'll move what they believe. That's what's happened in churches all over America today. Why do you have rock and roll? You know rock and roll music's from the world. You know it's from the devil. It's, it's the idea of rock and roll itself. The very name of it comes from a sexual connotation. I mean... It is, it is wicked. It's the music of hell. It's dance music. It's bar music. It's fun play music. It's drunk drinking music and being drunk music. And, and bringing that into the worship of Jehovah God, the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, into the Holy of Holies, as it were, that local church, and saying, we're going we're gonna to put, put Christian words to this wicked music, and it's going to make it okay. Of course, that goes against every principle of Scripture. It goes against the Bible. When holy touches unholy, holy becomes unholy. Holy doesn't touch unholy and stay holy. And you can't bring good words into bad music and keep the music holy. It's not going to. The music causes the words to, to be bad or to be unholy, if I may say it that way. So how do you come to all that? Principles. You read the Bible. You understand what the book says. You keep going over it, and you learn principles of truth. And as you learn principles of truth, when people around you and pragmatic folks around you and public opinion around you and peer pressure around you try to push you off of the truth, you're going to stand there rigidly and say, we will not be moved. We, will, we would rather, for me to live is Christ and to die as gain. You go ahead and kill me. I often tell people about some of the things I believe that you're going to have to shoot me to change me. You're going to have to basically kill me. The devil's going to, by the grace of God, the devil's going to have to kill me to change me. I hope that's your stand. Because if you don't take this stand, this is why this is so important today. If you don't take this stand, that by the grace of God, once you realize something is true, I mean, you can see it's biblically true, somebody would have to kill you to change you. 
In that case, you'll probably go through your entire life and end well and end on the side of truth without being a compromiser and without being pragmatic. But if you don't, if I may put it this way, drive that stake into the ground, if you don't make that decision, I'm going to stand for truth. Once I find truth, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not going to move away from truth. I'm going to pay the price of being unpopular. I'll pay the price of being mocked. I'll pay the price of nobody liking me. I'll pay the price of nobody coming to the church if that's the case. Uh, let me say this. A preacher's all, my preachers are under a lot of pressure to compromise because truth isn't always popular. In fact, rarely is it popular. Rarely does it attract big crowds. Mostly compromised truth, compromised uh, doctrine attracts big crowds. You see that all over the United States. The Catholic Church down the road from us has, on Sunday, has to hire four policemen to take care of the crowd, but they don't have the truth. They have a mixed bag of truth and error put together, which is unholy. But yet they attract a big crowd. Big crowd doesn't mean something's right. My goodness, the Islams have big crowds. Islamics have big crowds. Hindus have big crowds. I mean, uh, come on. Get off of that. If it's a big crowd, that's where, that's where God is. Stop that. That's not right. That's not Bible. So if you base your life on the principles of the Word of God, this helps you separate all these issues and easily be able to identify what's right and what's wrong. Let me just give you some wisdom for your walk. If you don't make some principal decisions in your life, once you find truth, you're going to move away from truth. You can say to me all day long, Bill, I'm not going to move. Bill, I'm not going to go any further. I just heard of somebody recently compromising an area of the music. They go to a church now with rock and roll music, and, and they use the NIV Bible, and they say, well, you know, those are just two, those are two things, and I'm not going to move any more than that. I'm not going to change. But I'll bet you five years from now, ten years from now, those people are moved much further left much further away from truth than when they started because once you go down the hill, start down the hill of compromise, pragmatism, you can't stop. You don't really have any good reasons to stop. The only good reasons to stop is principle. It's right or wrong. The Southern Baptist Convention, I'll end with this, just recently debated whether women ought to be preachers or not. Why would you even have to debate that? In their annual meeting, they debated that. Should women be preachers? What would you ever have to debate that for? The Bible is crystal clear about that subject. The Bible's men from day one represent God in the area of theological authority. I mean, it was a, the apostles were all men. You can go back to the leaders of the children of Israel. You can go back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, it's just been God's choice to use men to represent him theologically to the world. And it's that way with preachers. As Timothy's clear, uh, that preacher's got to be a husband of one wife. That means he's a man. And so, with that so clear, why would they have to debate it? That's well, that's because they've been given into what's pressuring them. There's peer pressure on them to move. Well, thank God they voted that women cannot be. Uh, pastors or deacons, and consequently, one of the largest Southern Baptist churches uh, left the convention because they said, well, if you're going to be that way, if you're going to be intolerant, then we're just going to move away and we're going to leave the convention, become independent of you. That's because they had moved, they had compromised, they had become pragmatic like Pilate and suffered a horrible fate that Pilate has suffered and being a compromiser of truth. May this be some wisdom for your walk.